0: Hello, I'm Jim Richards, and this is Impact Ministries, and you're participating in Impact Cyber Church, a church that meets everywhere and nowhere, a church that takes the biblical concept of taking the gospel to the entire world any way possible so that every person can be made whole by the love of God, so that every person can experience kingdom living through the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, we've been talking about the trifecta, and I'm telling you, we're coming down to where all of these pieces come together. And today is going to be very unique because today we're going to be talking more about Jesus as the Word of God, as the life of God, and as the light. And we're going to see how all this comes together because here's the deal, we want to stay free from any darkness. And remember, darkness is a continuum. Darkness doesn't mean you're in sin. It doesn't mean you're doing something horrible. Darkness means your vision is clouded and you could go somewhere you don't want to go. I'll be back in just a minute. Don't go away. You're going to get help. I've got a free message for this month called Angels of Light, Authors of Deception. I want to tell you something we have talked about and we think that we know about angels of light. I'm going to show you something that's going to open your eyes to the true deception in this world. All right, today we're going to be talking about coming out of darkness. Remember, we talked about this last week. We've got to be able to admit when we're in the darkness. You know, in the book of 1 John, everybody argues about 1 John 1, 9, about confessing your sin. And really they go somewhere that the text doesn't even go. And the point there is this. If I can't confess, if I can't acknowledge that I have some darkness working in me, then the real truth is I can never, ever get set free, which means I will start walking down a path that will get darker and darker darker and darker, get it farther and farther and farther away from the truth, but it'll also get farther and farther away from the life of God that is only experienced in my intimate involvement with Jesus. That's the thing we got to realize, like really we have to have a repentant life. Now there's a lot of people that say we're not supposed to repent, you know, and really people that make those statements are usually just overreacting to how religion has defined repentance in the past. I'm not talking about groveling, begging, all that kind of stuff. I'm talking about we have to be willing to change our mind. We have to be teachable. We have to allow Jesus to be Lord in our life so that He can lead us through whatever life's challenges come up. And if I'm not willing to constantly yield to Him and yield to His wisdom and yield to how He shows me how to apply the Word, then the real truth is I can't come out of darkness. I'll tell you something. I don't like pain. If you like pain, there's something wrong with you and you need help. I don't like pain. I don't like to suffer. I don't like hardship. Now, I will face any of those things for the gospel's sake, and I have. I have faced life-threatening situations. I've been in parts of the world where my life was in danger, where I didn't have anything decent to eat, where I was horribly uncomfortable. I didn't mind that if I'm doing it for the gospel. But if I'm not doing it for the gospel, I'm not going to do it. And what I have found is that I can trust God to lead me into abundant life. And I also realize that any place that I'm not experiencing abundant life in that area of my life... I have some darkness. I'm incapable of seeing and perceiving with my heart what Jesus has done for me in that area of life. So we want to be able to come out of the darkness. And that starts by having this repentant attitude that says, my decision is that from now until I meet Jesus face to face, is that any time my view, my opinion, my interpretation, my concept disagrees with His, I am always going to yield to His view, his opinion, his interpretation, his conflicts. So. You know, this is where we get to the point of the, really this entire series, all mokes. Now, of course, in the series that you can order for this, whereas these programs have about 20 minutes of teaching them, those have about 45 to 50 minutes of teaching them, because I want to take you as far as you want to go and staying free from deception, staying free from destruction that could come on you. Know, the greatest warning that we have about this time in which we live is don't let yourself be Deceived. Now, Jesus comes on the scene. He establishes himself as the Word of God. Now, we don't seem to get what this means. You know, the Greek for word is logos. And for a lot of years, people define logos as the written Word of God. That is such a bad translation or interpretation of that word Logos. Because what we fail to understand about when God speaks His words in the Hebrew, many times, matter of fact, almost every time that it talks about God speaking, it's a Hebrew word that has more to do with what's going on inside of him, more to do with who he is, his character, what he has conceived in his own heart than it does with the word. Except in other words, the word that's spoken, which gets written down, that is only a written representation of something that had much greater motives, that had much greater intentions, that had much greater power and life behind it. And this is why the letter kills. If we just try to do the letter of the word, it kills, but the Spirit of the Word doesn't kill us. It's still the Word. We still follow the Word, but we have to follow it based on the Spirit of the Word. And the Spirit of the Word isn't following the Word just based on what you think the Holy Spirit's leading you, because the Holy Spirit's never going to lead you to violate or do that which is inconsistent or incongruent or in conflict with God's written Word. But you see, Jesus came as the Logos. The Logos is the Greek word that compares to the Hebrew word that I mentioned, where logos is more about the wisdom, the logic, the character, the nature, the intentions, the motives of the word that was spoken than just the word itself. So this means that Jesus is the only person that I can look to to make me understand what God meant in everything that he said in the Old Testament. Now, we are not going back to the Old Covenant, but I want to tell you something. There's a difference between the Old Covenant and the Old Testament. The Old Covenant is the agreement and the arrangement that we had in order to have a relationship with God. But the Old Testament, and that's over with. That's over with in Jesus. But the truth and the facts of the Old Testament are still true. The only difference is we now have a way to understand and interpret those things where we don't distort the Word of God. You know, I've shared this. i probably shared it already in this series, but I want you to hear it again. Listen, for thousands of years, rabbis, teachers, prophets, different people attempted to represent God's intention behind His Word. They desired rabbis. They would teach you how to apply God's Word. They would interpret and try to figure out God's motives back. Well, the problem was they'd never seen God. They didn't know God. Jesus was God. He not only saw God, was with God face to face. He was one with God. And so Jesus is the only person that can come and say, let me tell you and let me show you what God really meant when he said this. Because remember, Jesus said that We hang all of the law and all the commandments on loving the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your might, all your strength, and loving your neighbor as yourself. So that's really three things. Loving God, loving people, and loving yourself the way God loves you. And so if I'm to hang everything that God has ever said on that, then if I'm not interpreting the Word and the events of the Old Testament from the perspective that God was doing this because of His love for His people, for His children, for those who chose to follow Him. Now, God loves the people that choose not to follow Him, but He's not passive about letting them destroy us and destroy the world. So it wasn't that God didn't love everybody, but God can only protect those who choose to follow Him. If you don't choose to follow Him, He's going to be trying to lead you to safety into life, and you're not going to go. And then you're going to wonder why God let you down. But you see, Jesus showed us what it would look like. You know, just like when the woman was taken into adultery, Jesus, number one, He didn't tell her adultery was all right. He didn't act like this. It was not a problem. In fact, he warned her that if she kept doing this stuff, you know, that her life would be destroyed by it. He told a lot of people, go and sin no more. And he even told one person, you know, go and sin no more. let something worse come upon you. Jesus taught, the apostle Paul teaches, the John teaches that sin kills you. It kills you emotionally. It kills you intellectually. It messes you up in every way that you can until you can't see, perceive, or believe the truth about God. Now, Jesus... He gave that woman mercy. He gave her better than she deserved, even though she was caught red-handed in adultery. And so we get to see how we would walk in love toward other people because of the way Jesus treated other people, specifically because of the way He treated sinners, people who didn't deserve it. And then we get interpretation of the Word of God based on his life, but also from his teaching. Now, so many of his teachings were parables of the kingdom. And parables of the kingdom are conceptual by and large. And one of the things we understand from the parables is that if I don't get the concepts then I'm never going to really understand the word. And I'm going to end up taking the literal word and I'm going to try to obey the letter of the law and it's going to destroy me and destroy the people around me. I have to look at how Jesus did this. I have to look at his interpretation. I have to look at his life and I have to look at what he accomplished through his death, burial, and resurrection. And that's where I find what the word of God really is. Listen, I'll be right back. Don't go away. You don't want to lose the rest of this. My new series, Trifecta life, light, and love, it's going to give you the tools to guard your heart. You know, Jesus warned that the greatest thing that we were going to be facing in this era that we're living in is deception. Well, i to tell you something. If you have the light, you can't be drawn into the darkness. And not only is this going to help you have the life, it's going to show you how to connect to the life so that the quality of life that you experience is not based on anything that's going on around you. I don't know if you're getting as excited about this as I am, but I'm telling you, this is part of why we have to believe on and confess Jesus as Lord because as Lord, He is the only person who has the right interpretation the proper representation of who God is, of God's morals, God's values, God's character. And I'm going to tell you something. If He's my Lord, then I'm always seeking to understand everything in the Word of God from His interpretation. Now, this is where it's important. Darkness isn't when we just reject a Scripture or twist a Scripture. That's what the Bible calls iniquity or lawlessness. Now, I want you to understand something. Lawlessness, no law... In other words, people who reject God's commandments as the standard, the only standard of morals, values, ethics, uh, civil life. In other words, everything that God said in his word that pertains to us individually or how a government should function. Anyone who rejects any part of that or twists any part of that is a person who is lawless. And of uh, the people you cannot help, you can't. Help a lawless person because if you can't take a person back to the Word of God and because they're related to Jesus as Lord, they look at it and go, okay, I accept that. That's the Word of God. Now I want to see and I want to understand from the Word of God how Jesus applied this. But even more than that, I want to go to Jesus and I want to intimately be involved with Him. I want to experience some transformation so that it is my nature and my character to apply this word. You know, and I almost hate to use the term apply this word because really just I want the character and nature, nature to make this quality of a decision. I want the character, the nature, just to inherently do what the word says just because of I'm following Jesus, because of I'm yielding to the righteousness of, of God that's in me. So iniquity is when you twist or reject God's word. But darkness begins When we depart from the Word as Jesus interpreted it through His life, His teaching, and the death, burial, and resurrection. So, you know, one of the questions that we've got to ask ourselves, and listen... If there's a part of your life that is not working, it doesn't matter if it's finances, it doesn't matter if it's your relationship with your spouse, and you know you have no control over what your spouse does. I'm not trying to say that. But you have control over you and whether or not you can facilitate a good relationship with your spouse, with your kids, with your friends. You know, if you have trouble in your job, if you have trouble with your health, it doesn't really matter where it is. The question I've got to ask myself is: do I interpret God's Word about that area of my life based on the way that Jesus interpreted it in the way that He treated people, in the way that He ministered to people. You know, this was one of the things that brought me to physical healing back in 1983 when I was dying of a kidney disease. And, uh, you know, I actually got an infection while I was in the hospital, and the infection was worse than the disease that I had. And I spent three and a half years fighting for my life. You know, the thing that I finally had to deal with, you know, I knew all the scriptures in the epistles. I knew all the scriptures in the Old Testament about healing, but I had to come to the place to where I realized if Jesus always said yes to every person that came to him for a healing, then I had to stop making myself the exception. This is where I came to the realization that all the promises of God are yes, because everybody that came to Jesus needing a solution, he always had a Yes, here's the promise. Not just the promise of God, not just the information, but here is the life behind this promise. Now, darkness always brings death, brings spiritual death, emotional death, physical death, and walking in light always leads to an intimate relationship with God, it always leads to living the promises. Now, see, we want to move past this thing of saying, okay, you know, I've got this need in my life, so I'm going to find the promises, and you should do that. I'm going to find the promises, and then I'm going to memorize the promises. You should do that. But the problem is we very seldom take those promises into our prayer closet. And many people don't understand the concept of a prayer closet. I had somebody ask me, said, do you literally pray in your closet? I said, well, not anymore. But for years I did. For years, when our kids were small and I needed a private place to pray, we had a walk-in closet. And I'd go in there and just shut the door and stay in there and pray so that I wouldn't be disturbed, so I wouldn't be distracted. But that's kind of an old school term, prayer closet. But you want to be able to walk into your prayer closet, taking these promises and acknowledging Yes, this is from you. Yes, Jesus, this is how you responded to people who had needs similar to mine. And you are my source. You are my life. Because remember, he is the life and the life is the light of men. Now, light, revelation, scripture, knowledge, information is not... A substitute for life. It is only the light and the light makes it possible for you to see your way to Jesus and connect with Him personally to experience the life. You know, one of the things I tell people, and you know, every October we have a heart physics seminar here. And of course we have heart physics seminars all across the country and you ought to check one out. Matter of fact, you need to jump in and start with essential heart physics and, and start making this journey of relating to God based on your heart, not based on your mind. But uh, In heart physics, we teach people how to connect with God. And we can't do it for them, but teach them how to to connect with God from their heart so that they experience life. And what I tell people and what I train people how to do in these seminars is this. You know, physical healing, there's some situations, physical healing, finances, usually things having to do with our marriage, how we relate to other people. We have a tendency to resist change in those areas more than any other area. Why? Because those are the areas that are closest to our heart. And, you know, where your treasure is, that's where your heart is. And once something becomes a heart belief, it's not as easy as just changing your mind. You have to take yourself through a process to renew your mind, but also to write something new in your heart. But, you know, in teaching people how to do heart work and teaching people how to counsel using these principles of heart work, we should be able in almost any other area of our life, any temptation, any struggle, any battle that we're having, we should be able to walk into our prayer room and 15, 20, 30 minutes walk out with that problem solved. And, you know, people say that they pray, but their concepts of prayers are usually messed up. You need to get my series, New Covenant Prayer, How to Set Your Life in Order, and you'll learn how to pray and always get your prayers answered. But you want to be able to walk in there, connect with Jesus, take this problem to Him and let go of it and put on whatever you need because you're connected with Him and it's coming to you directly from Him. Not just because of the Word, the Scripture you've memorized, not because somebody else laid hands on you. It's all right somebody lays hands on you. I'm not against that. But we should be able to solve almost any problem in our life in just 15 or 20 minutes. And we can if we go directly to Jesus and we connect with Him in our heart. Like I said, in the areas of physical healing, there of finances and using the area of relationships. We are resistant. It's not because it's harder for God to work those kind of miracles. It's because we are less willing to make adjustments and changes. Now, we all find ourselves in darkness in some area of our life from time to time. If we abide in that darkness, it will eventually spread to other areas of our life and it'll actually move from emotional to physical and then ultimately into infecting other people around us. That's not what you want. That's not what you want to do. So, You know, I've got to ask myself, are my beliefs just intellectual? You know, if your beliefs are just intellectual, it's not as difficult to pull you out of these situations as you might think. But if your beliefs are of the heart and have to do with how you see yourself, it can be much more difficult. Now, Jesus told us, there's thing called resistance. We resist coming to him because if we come to him, then we've got to change. You know, when Jesus was asked why he spoke in parables, he said, I speak in parables because it is given to you to know the mysteries of the kingdom. And then he said, but to them that are without. Now, we have this tendency to say, oh, so what he's saying is, you that are in here with me, I'm speaking this way so you can get the answers, but I don't want them to get it. No. That word without doesn't necessarily mean without. In other words, outside of here. It means without doors or without borders people who don't have the Word of God as the doorkeeper of their heart, they can't get it. They can listen to a parable. It makes no sense to them. They don't get it. They'll call it law. They'll call it legalism. They'll twist it because they're not interpreting those parables based on Jesus' teaching. You know, but the point is this, is that Jesus taught these parables, but He said the reason that they really didn't get it was because if they heard it, and believed it, if they perceived it, if they really took hold of this, they would have to change. That's not what the King James says. That's what the original language says. And see, people who don't want to change are always going to misunderstand. John 3.19 says, And this is the condemnation that light has come into the world and men loved darkness rather than life. Why would men love darkness? Because in darkness they're getting what they want and they think that they can't trust God to get them what they want to fulfill their desires. He said, because men love darkness rather than life because their deeds were evil. He says, for everyone practicing evil hates the light and does not come to the light lest his deeds should be exposed. But he who does the truth comes to the light that his deeds may be clearly seen that they have been done In God, I want you to understand something. People who act like God is this mean, horrible tyrant, you may have been taught that, and I understand that, but I got news where if you stop listening to everybody else and start listening to your heart, you start realizing God's a loving Father who is always calling you to the place of mercy. And once you realize who God is, you will not be afraid to come to Him and receive all that He has for you. Listen, I'll be back in my mentoring moment in just a moment. Don't go away. Hello, Jim Richards, I want to invite you to some really special events that are going to be coming up that any one of these could just be so powerful for your life. The last weekend of September, and then it gets over into the first weekend in October, I am going to be in Blue Springs, Missouri, and Bob and Audrey Meisner are going to be there with me. Jimmy Bratcher is going to be there with me, and Pastor Sean Apkin is going to be there, and we're going to have a reconnect conference about reconnecting to the love of God. You know, if you've grown cold, if you've grown stale, don't live in condemnation. Don't deny it. Don't run from God. But come and We want to share with you ways to reconnect to God and help you have those experiences right there in the seminar. Also then, later in July, Here in Huntsville, Alabama, we will have Heart Physics Weekend. That's going to be a great, great weekend. i got some great material. You can go to our website and you can check all this stuff out and find out about how to register for all of these. And uh, we do want you to register. And then again, in November, I'm going to be in British Columbia doing a seminar, hopefully, on dignity and worth. So be sure and check with me on that. Come and join me in one of these great seminars. I just want to remind you that... The Word of God, apart from taking that and connecting to God personally through the Lord Jesus Christ, through what He accomplished His death, burial, and resurrection, the Word of God that is not taken into His presence really won't benefit you anything in this life. You know, it might give you some good rules to go by to know how to treat people or some good rules to go by to know how to function in society. But you can't experience transformation with just the written Word of God. You know, Psalm 119, 130 says, The entrance of your words gives life. It gives understanding to the simple. See, we take God's Word and suddenly like we have understanding. And many times when we're reading the Word of God, we'll get an inspiration. And just for a brief second, we can see ourselves living in that promise of healing or health or, or financial provision or happiness in our relationship or doing something great for God with our lives. Now, when that inspiration comes, we have got to do what it says in the parable of the sower and seed. Immediately, we've got to take that into our own heart and begin to ponder begin to consider it, begin to meditate on what we look like and what it would be like living in that truth. And we begin acknowledging to God, I accept this. This is mine because I'm in you, Lord Jesus. And you're connecting to Him and you're sharing in what He has given you through the death, burial, and resurrection. I'm going to tell you something. Until Christian counselors out there and Pastors, I'm not trying to pick on you or be mean, but i gonna tell you something. Until you inspire people to go beyond just what the Word says, then all you're going to have is a bunch of rule keepers, a bunch of legalists, a bunch of people with condemnation, but not many people experiencing transformation. Transformation comes because we take the Word and connect to Jesus.